Whatever crap. Just making fun of me because I have a love wheat. 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 Wheat with a T. Oh, T. Wheat. Yeah. Yeah. Wheat with a T. <laughs> Definitely. He's a fairly formal goat, but he likes to party. Did you guys know that uh, Pepe Le Pew has been banned from like Looney Tunes because it's offensive to the French, I guess? Cheers. This is a New England. It's supposed to look like orange juice. <laughs> We're just just long enough since we've recorded new content that that made me laugh again. Right. I haven't I haven't heard it in a couple of weeks, and it it just makes me laugh. All of them, particularly, uh, are, are funny. But when Chase talks about Pepe Le Pew and the Looney Tunes, I mean that's still every time I hear that, it makes me laugh. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if this happens to be your first time listening to Sonder Stories, welcome. Uh, go back and listen to Chapter 14, the All In Saison podcast, where we talk, uh, we talk about our Saison, and then we go on a little bit of a rant about Looney Tunes that was solicited completely out of nowhere uh, by Chase Legler, which he, uh, you, you heard a little bit of there in the, in the intro. Welcome to Sonder Stories. This is Chapter, I believe, what, 22? I think it's 20. No, is it? Wasn't Oktoberfest 19? I don't know. I thought we were at 21. Maybe mm-hmm. not. All right, chapter 20. Uh, if so, congratulations, guys. We've made it 20 chapters. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't been banned from haven't anywhere. Been banned. That's uh, impressive. People still listen. People More people still, listen every yeah. episode. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, you're listening to the uh, poetic voice of PNP producer, non producer Danny Harold. Hello. And over here to my right, we got Luke Shropshire. The, What's up, guys? Uh, the sultry, deep-sounding brewing magician over here to my right. Uh, Welcome. So you probably know by now because it's in the title, but we're talking about Frosted. We're talking about a beer that has been around for us since about a month after we opened. We launched it last year on Black Friday, and uh, what it is is it's a milkshake IPA. Uh, We'll have Luke talk a little bit more about that, what makes it a milkshake-style uh, and then we change the fruit uh, frequently. So we launched this beer. For those of you that don't know the cadence, maybe you're not familiar with it. We launch it about every two months. And when we release it, we release two brands at a time. So brands meaning different, different layers of adjuncts, uh, fruit, and, and what have you. So this version that we have today in front of us is Concord Grape, which is a ton of fun because I, I don't know of any other at least local breweries that are doing anything with Concord Grape. And you guys, if I'm wrong, somebody will let me know if I'm wrong, I'm sure. Not, uh, to, not to my knowledge, <laughs> at least, yeah. But uh, there's enough trolls out there that they'll make sure that I know <laughs> that there was somebody that did something. I, I'm sure there's something on a national scale, but I don't know of anything here around the Cincinnati area. So that's been a lot of fun to hear people talk about that. We'll get into our rankings and our opinions of where these stack up to the other ones that we've done. And then the other one we're going to talk about is Pina Colada, uh, which is uh, fire. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, labor of love that went into making sure that we could get that, <laughs> that flavor. Uh, and we started, we started with a mango, uh, mm-hmm. and then we went into cherry. We did uh, blueberry, raspberry, and then these two. Yep. Right? Yep. I'm not missing any. Yeah, these are five and six. It has quickly become for us in our first year a brand that people look for, they gravitate to. We uh, have started, since we released our second one, we started releasing them in cans and doing taproom releases. We're still trying to balance out what that looks like between 
taproom and distribution. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit as well. But I just want to—I want to kind of dive into this with Luke. Uh, oh, obviously we don't have Chase Legler today. Uh, Chase took a couple of days. Uh, he and Haley took off for a few days. So um, please stay tuned. Everyone keep listening. I know everyone's probably waiting to hear Chase's voice. He's the celebrity of this podcast. <laughs> right. Um, I'm sure there's a handful of people that are like, damn it, Chase is on this one. I'm oh, out. <laughs> 100%. There's probably people turning off the podcast right now because Chase isn't going to be joining us. But I promise we've got some good content, so stick around. Um, Luke, go ahead and dive in. What makes this a milkshake IPA style. What is this style? It's relatively new. Yeah, so uh, this style is uh, very different. Originated from Tired Hands and Omnipolo. Omnipolo being uh, Denmark and Tired Hands being from Pennsylvania, I believe. Um, And what they did was they just added a ton of pretty much lactose vanilla, hopped it with very tropical hops, um, and then they would add puree to kind of mimic what a milkshake would taste like. Um, if anyone's kind of familiar with Omnipolo beers, Omnipolo is more like a, um, he's, he's a gypsy, so he brews on other pre- person's um, brew houses to produce his product, but he is really into culinary style beers, so he does, you know, just examples like Mudslide, um, he does really way, way out there stuff. It's cool, but very different. But anyways, so that style originated from them. Basically, like yeah, I was saying, is it's just a really, think of your New England, but just a little bit different where you're, you know, tons of oats for the silkiness from the oil from the oats. Um, you're using a very expressive yeast um, to kind of give out the fruitiness. Um, and then you're just really layering on top of tons of vanilla beans, a little lactose to kind of mimic the, uh, the sweetness of what, you know, a milkshake has. Um, and then a fruit to go from there. So, milkshake IPA. And it's it's become a style that a lot of people are trying to to. Yeah. I don't want to say replicate because it it's it's becoming a style in itself, right? It yeah. is a style in itself, for sure. Regardless of where it started, uh, it's sweet. Yes. Is that fair to say? It's, it's yeah. from all the lactose. Yeah. Um, which gives it um, more body as well, mm-hmm. and really just kind of thickens it up and, and creates that, that milkshake style, right? Yeah. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, on top of the vanilla. Don't right. forget the vanilla. The vanilla, and actually in my eyes, I think vanilla is an is a integral part. Um, without the vanilla, I think you're just kind of losing a lot of what the milkshake style should be. Um, at least that's how it was to me when I first tried a milkshake IPA from Tired Hands. You know, I was able to kind of deconstruct it in my head, but the vanilla was pretty much the underlining factor that kind of always had to be there. Interesting. I, I've, never, I've never thought of it or heard it, heard it described like that, mm-hmm. but it, it makes sense to me. I mean, the, the vanilla is an integral part, and it, and it is for us as well. We use, yeah. we use vanilla beans in these. And, expensive, uh, expensive. Yeah, it is. A lot of time. Um, y- yes, and a lot of time in addition to that. So I'm curious, how has it changed from that first experience you had with, with Tired Hands, right? I, I've had one as well. I'm curious to get your opinion. From that first time you had, well, that was probably, what, two years ago at this point? Three, maybe? Uh, probably three years now. Yeah. Uh, so you, you had one from Tired Hands. And actually, I think the Tired Hands I had, it was called I Don't Want to Be You, so it was like zero IBUs. Right. I don't even know if they called that a milkshake. That may have just been a hazier New England, but... Uh, in your eyes, how has this style evolved from that first time three years ago to where we are today? Is it, and, it, and in your opinion, is that good or 
are you indifferent on it or what? what? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely an exploratory style to kind of do. I mean, you want, one, you have to make sure your demographics can actually be interested in it. I mean, again, yes, it is sweet. So without lactose, you got to make sure you're going to actually sell it versus sit. Um, and then, you know, it kind of comes down to is are you going to make it like a traditional Tired Hands sort of milkshake? The only reason why I keep saying Tired Hands is because they are the creators, at least in my, my knowledge. So their style is how it so much should taste. Because do you want to do it that style? Do you want to do it your own style where it's not as sweet, um, but, you know, you have the vanilla, maybe less lactose and go that route? Or do you want it to be more of an IPA that you have fruited with, like, a hint of vanilla kind of thing? Like, you can do as many different variants as you want. Um, and that's a lot of the stuff that I've been seeing. Um, so that's kind of how I've been seeing how this style taking off. Um, other than that, you know, uh, sorry, we got got some guys down in the cellar doing some work yeah, right I'm now. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on down there. Losing my train of thought. Yeah. Are they clearing a tank or? Uh, Set up for dry hop. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so it, it's cool to see it happen. You know, it's just kind of like the New England style. Everything's kind of changed. Like, you can go to one brewery and they have a New England. You go to another brewery and they have a totally different style of New England, but yet it's still hazy. You know, so you can do the same thing with the milkshakes. You know, it's got the fruit, but there's no vanilla, but it has a lactose. Or you go, well, there's no lactose. You know, it's not very sweet, but you do have that vanilla characteristic in the fruit. The one thing you'll never really lose is the fruit. There always has to be that one outlier that makes it a different beer. So I've seen some breweries do um, terpenes. Um, so they'll use um, marijuana terpenes, actually, too. And what that is, it's not the THC or anything. It's just the aroma and characteristics of the, the smell of the, of the, of the marijuana. Um, and they've used that into their beers and made milkshakes out of that. And Interesting. Yeah, I've never tried it. It does sound pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's cool because people are just having their own way with it and seeing what they can do with it and, you know, how far they can take it. Right. So the interesting thing, you talk about the fruit, right? Yeah. You talk about adding fruit to it, adding anything to it at that point, right? Uh, the interesting thing I find with this is I would – I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot. I'm not the marketing guy, right? Like – Jen and, and Danny, you guys and, and Katie, it'd be interesting to to do some sort of marketing test or study on this. What would happen to the sales of Frosted if you removed the three letters IPA at the end of milkshake and you called it a milkshake ale? Because the interesting thing to me is I get so many times people go, I'm not an IPA person. Yeah. And then you throw this beer in a taster and you let them try it and, and their reaction for for the air quotes – I'm not an IPA person, person. Yeah, absolutely. For that person, when they try this beer, almost 100% of the time, they go, huh, well, I like that. I, I wasn't expecting that. Well, it's not super hop forward. It, you get more of the lactose and the fruit. Like, I don't think IPA does it justice, but because uh, I have friends, like, when we launched Cherry, I had some friends come up and visit. Now they tell everyone that their favorite IPA is Cherry Frosted. Exactly, right. And, like, I think IPA fans would be like, well, it's kind of an IPA, I guess, but... Like, would the base beer for this be considered an IPA? Yeah, big time. Okay. Um, with, so uh, we would be lying if we did, like, ale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, we're... Hashtag marketing, bro. Right. <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to target a beer that's going to be more, you know, uh, situated from the hops that we're using. Um, so, like, Citroen Mosaic, things like that. One beer that uh, I used to do at a past job, you know, was a blueberry milkshake, but... What I realized was is the mosaic hops give off a ton of blueberry characteristics. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'd bomb it with mosaic to get the hop character to then also play off of the fruit character. So then you had it kind of layered. So it wasn't just, oh, okay, well, I think I get the blueberry characteristic. You're like, oh, wow. 
it's dank, but you know, I get that blueberry character, but, oh, but I'm also getting like the blueberry fruit. So like getting those hops is usually pretty, pretty important to kind of just kind of play with it, kind of get more of that aromatic to kind of pop. How long do you think this style has been around like Cincinnati? Two years, probably say, when I, we started. I was about to say, I, I, feel, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a more, people are more educated about the style nowadays. Like I think they yeah. were very confused to start with like, mm-hmm. I guess it's an IPA, like they call it an IPA, but it doesn't taste like the hop Ford IPA that people are used to, you know? Yeah. Well, and even in different pockets of Cincinnati, right? So mm-hmm. you go downtown you go, or, or, or near downtown, consumers who are, who are familiar with or frequent a place like Streetside or Listerman, mm-hmm. um, they've probably been familiar with it for two years, to Luke's point, since, since he was brewing those right. beers there. Yeah. We're up here in Mason, and we get those consumers as well, right? We get the consumers from downtown, but by and large, a large portion of our, uh, I'll use the air quotes again, regulars or, or people mm-hmm. who are in here frequently, there's a good chance that they had never heard of the style or seen the style ever until they were introduced to Frosted. For sure. My first milkshake IPA was one of Luke's from his previous job. It was when you and I, after our old job, yep. were like at a happy hour. Um, we were at one of our favorite spots, BC's Liberty, and um, they had it on tap, and I didn't know what it was. And But I liked IPAs, so I was going into it thinking... I don't remember which version of it was. I want to say it was blueberry. Yeah, um, it was. I think it was blueberry. Um, and I was like, a blueberry IPA? I'm kind of into it. We'll see. And then it just blew my mind. It was good. I vividly remember when you had that. Yeah. Like, I remember. I vividly remember it. Because it was a unique experience of, like, I didn't know it was coming. It wasn't what I expected. And it was good. So, yep. no and, qualms and for me. Now, so now let's, let's talk a little bit about Frosted and some of our variants. So we started with Mango. Mango was a unique experience, I think, for all of us a little bit because it was the first time we released that, brewed this, released this on the scale that we did. Even coming from Luke, from where you did at your your past uh, brewery, it was a, a significantly smaller batch, and we were trying to, you know, we've got this, we've got these, you know, the puree, the mango puree, and we've got all this stuff we're trying to figure out. And what ended up happening was that beer evolved so much over the 30 barrels of what we had of that beer that it led into, and I think, I think it's fair to say, hopefully you guys would agree, it has critiqued the process enough throughout the, the iterations of Frosted that I feel like we've nailed now that level of sweet to not sweet, right? Whereas when we first released Mango, I, while I loved it, I could have 10 ounces of it and be totally fine because it was pretty sweet. And then as that Mango faded over the next six to eight weeks, I would try it again and go, damn, this is the lacto- really good. The lactose was fading, right? And the vanilla. Or was it, it, the, or the, or was yeah, it the mango? I mean, the, the reason why it came out so sweet is um, Chase and I split. So um, Chase wanted to go, Chase used a puree source that he knows. And then I used um, basically the recipe that I knew from my past job. Um, not the exact same recipe, but um, you know, aspects of it that I thought were important that needed to be into one. And um, they just combined it. They're too much. Um, so from there, we backed off the lactose a little bit to tone it down. Um, and then we tweaked the hop profile um, to make sure that it was more um, uh, uh, bold, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Um, to kind of help kind of play with it a little bit more. That's kind of one of my favorite parts about 
uh, this series. It didn't really get a chance to evolve with blueberry and raspberry because we went through them so fast the last time. That's a good point. But yeah. cherry came on right when I started, and it was my shift beer quite a bit. And just seeing that beer evolve over like a month and a half or whatever it was, I liked it at every stage, and it was just different at every stage, which was really cool. So like, if it's a unique beer to age. Like I'm still squatting on a cherry at home. I'm probably gonna wait a couple months and see how it is, but uh, it's getting a little bit less sweet and a little bit more cherry, which I like. Yeah, I mean, we had when we first released Mango, we had it in the tap room for a couple of months, and like mm. I said, it, it didn't. It held up well. In yeah. my opinion, it got a little bit better. Yeah, different doesn't mean bad. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yep. And now, so the, so we went from Cherry, uh, which was part of, we released that when we released Mella. Yep. So we released those two cans. Those were our first ever 16-ounce can release in the tap room. And we sold through almost all 50 cases of that. Uh Within like ten days or whatever, we sold. I think. I think. Yeah, we we sold through it very relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, everyone loved Mella. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and and Mella and Cherry Frosted almost sold out at the same time. I know we'll get into this later, but Cherry was my favorite. Oh, hold that. Yeah, hold that. Yeah. So so Cherry went really quickly. Cherry was a fun one too because Cherry had a, a an interesting level of acidity to it that balanced well. With, with the, that base frosted. Mm-hmm. And then we went into raspberry and blueberry, which um, I would say, pro- if I'm guessing, for most people, I would say the general consensus, if we polled everyone, uh, up to that point, with the three that we had released, most people liked raspberry the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had, you know, you, you, wherever the rest fell in. Blueberry, I loved blueberry. Um, and then we went to... Concord Grape and Pina Colada. And, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, Pina Colada is my favorite, which we'll get into. Pina Colada is really good. And I think I kind of I messed with our consumers a little bit when I posted the roasted coconut. Because I, I, I think people it's were toasted. Toasted coconut. coconut. I'm sorry. But people were pumped to have Coconut Tears back. Snob. I know. All of our Coconut Tear fans were like, oh, Coconut Tears is coming back. Yep. And, like, and actually, some people thought it was hash browns. It was well, not, it was, you did that. It were, it's not hash browns. <laughs> Luke, why are you toasting so many hash browns on there? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> actually said they were rooting for hash browns because there they were had multiple people French like, fry beer before. Yeah, it was pretty funny, but I was like, no. And yeah, the um, toasted coconut, the first time Luke did it for Coconut Tears, I came in that morning, and he was doing it in the Brew River Kitchen. And I thought he was making hash browns. I was like, wow, that's a lot of hash browns. He must be really hungry. I don't know. <laughs> like, just, like, meal prepping hash browns or something. And then I found Shoot. out it was coconut. But How embarrassing. <laughs> Should have known. Well, and then, so when you, when you do that, Luke, so for everyone that doesn't know, I know we talked about it on, on other podcasts, but Luke actually comes in. Mm-hmm. Super early, what four in the morning that time? I think yeah, it's four. And so, no, sets, no, sets off the alarm. It's three o'clock. It was three <laughs> o'clock because because Jen got a phone call, I got a phone call, and I think Daniel got a phone call from the security system saying that somebody had interest. Yeah, and Chase. Yeah. I guess all four of us are on it. Yeah, that somebody was entering the building, and and so I, I assumed that was yeah, that it was, was, it was definitely me. Yeah. So you toasted what? What was this? It was ten pounds per barrel, right? So it was over three hundred pounds. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, so 300 pounds, and then, and then you take the coconut. Um, once it's toasted, bag it in like a cheesecloth. Mm-hmm. 
uh, put it in the bright tank. Yep. And let, let it, it let it rest. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and then what you have after then adding the pineapples to it, uh, what you have is this beautiful balance of what I'm I'm not kidding. It truly smells and tastes like a pina colada. Yeah. It was. Um, I really. You know, you can buy a toasted coconut. So, well, let me. We'll go back to this on, on why when it had this happen. So I was down in Florida on my baby moon with my fiance, and we went to this bar, and the you know the king of adjuncts, Jay Wakefield, had a balloon on vice, and it was a pina colada. So I texted Chase like, "Dude, we gotta do pina colada. Like it's dope. We have to." He's like, "Yeah, man, for sure. Like I love pina colada." Fast forward, we come up to this frosted, and he's like, "All right, listen, you want to do that pina colada idea?" I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it. You know, let's get it done." And then I was saying, I was like, "Well, I tried Jay Wakefield's." Jay Wakefield, again, this dude, I don't know how he does it. His beers are, his fruited beers, his adjunct beers are really, really good. Like, they're really good. So I don't know if he's just, I, I don't know. I think he's just going ham on the cost because that makes sense why his bottles are so expensive. So I was just like, if we do this, we have to do it right, you know? So Jay's like, well, do you want to do you want to toast the 300 pounds of coconut? I was like, no, I, I don't want to toast 300 pounds not, of not coconut. Not particularly. Not really. I was like, Do you want to toast 300 pounds of coconut? But then I was like, well, I know I can buy them toasted already. But then, you know, I was like, well, you know, you just the thing is, it, it, the thing about it is you toast it same day and you throw it in the bright tank and you rack beer on top of it within an hour or two of it being toasted. You know, all that aroma and character and the oil that comes off of that. I mean, like, when you're done bagging and your hands are just very oily, they're greasy almost, and, you know. Well, and the floor was, too. Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> but, you know, all that character is going into the beer. And I was like, well, you know, darn it, you know, we have to do it. You know, it's like, all right, whatever, I'll wake up at 3, we'll get it done, we're going to do it. And, you know, that's how I came to it. But, you know, we could have gone the easier route and just, you know, bond the toasted coconut and or just use some natural flavoring to help with it. But, you know, in order to get a beer to get to this character where, you know, you can actually smell the coconut. You can. Like, you can legitimately smell the coconut and the pineapple together. And pineapple is not an easy fruit to use. So I think Chase and I really knocked it out of the park on that. But I completely agree. And I think you said something. I, I, before you skate past this, I want to I go back. You said we could have just used natural flavoring, yeah. right? There's nothing wrong with that no. at all. But I want to say this. It's really important that people know, because I've had, I've had a few people that have said to me, man, I taste the coconut, I smell the coconut, but it doesn't taste or smell like Hawaiian Tropic, right? right. And, and the reason is we took natural coconut, you took, you took shaved coconut. 300 pounds. 300 pounds of it. Nuts.com. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nuts.com. Shout out to Nuts.com. Yeah, thank you, Nuts.com. Nuts.com, you can be a sponsor of this podcast. I think we've like. purchased almost 1,000 pounds of coconut from you guys. Hit us up. <laughs> Come on. Nuts.com. You can email us at contact us at sonderbrewing.com. I'll get the email. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to sponsor this podcast by Nuts.com today. Yeah, we're yeah. going to give you this one for free, <laughs> right. Nuts.com. Throw you a bone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm serious. And again, I, I want to I reiterate, there's a... There's nothing wrong with using natural flavoring. But the reason, I'm reiterating it because I, I, I want people to know that that's the reason that this beer tastes like it does. Yeah. Is there's a, lot of, there's a lot of labor, and it is a labor of love that goes into it on top of, on top of toasting all the coconut and, and, and 
utilizing all of that, we're using actual pineapple as well, an actual yeah. pineapple puree. It's and not that took forever to add to the fermenter. It was thirty-five boxes, and each box is five gallons. Each box weighs forty-two pounds. <laughs> thirty-five times forty-two. I think it comes up to like seventeen hundred pounds of, of. Yeah. So it's not. You're not. We're not just adding a, a pineapple extract or a coconut extract. That's and, and and frankly, we don't we don't do that with our frosted series, and that's why the frosted beers taste and look like they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it is, it's labor-intensive, it is expensive for us to do, but people love them, and, and that's who we are. It's one of our key pillars as an organization. So I just wanted to, I didn't want to skate past that too much. Oh, it's, yeah, it's no, important. it's, yeah, it is. You know, we, we do artisanal beers, um, but we're not an artisanal brewery. Um, and to Justin's point, you know, it's, it's important to kind of show that because, Look at it, you know, going back to me quoting the, not quoting, but referencing Jay Wakefield. Jay Wakefield does $40 bottle, you know, $40 per bottle, but people know he's using right. stupid amounts of right. nuts and coconut and fruit. Do you think he used nuts.com? <laughs> Everyone uses nuts.com. <laughs> it's family owned since it started. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, you know, when people see bigger breweries, they're like, oh, it's all natural. You know, it's just natural extracts and flavorings and coloring. And it's like, well, no, it's not. You know, like, we do take the time. We don't do massive batches of them because of the time that it takes to do these kinds of things. That's exactly right. And that's why, that's why we're able to do. So we want to, on that note, one of the, the things that the visions we have for this, right, is that we don't want this to be a beer that lingers forever, mm-hmm. each brand. We want to create that fun environment where we can rotate through them. They rotate relatively quickly. Um, and, and on top of that, there is the cost factor. There is the labor factor. So what we generally do is we take our base frosted. We will brew a full batch of that. And then we split it in half, depending on what that is, whether it's 60 or 30 or whatever. And then release two brands off of that. Yep. Um, we did do a double batch this uh, this time though, right? We did. Yeah. yeah. So this will be yeah. So this will be hanging around the market a little bit. We definitely have some cans. Well, it'll be in the tap room longer than what blueberry and raspberry were. Definitely. Oh yeah, because it was fifteen. Before. Yeah, we yeah. we um, basically for both brands it was, um, it was twice like, the amount in total. Yeah. Uh, but we actually released. Uh, or, or canned three times the amount per brand that we oh, did. Oh, we on did? The last I didn't know that. Yet. Okay. So um, in previous batches, we had canned five barrels a piece, five oh, okay. brewers' barrels. These That's were, right. That these makes were sense. 15 a piece and then 15 in draft. Right. And, and part of that, too, uh, is adding our own can line. So once we got our own can line in house, these were some of the first brands that we actually canned off of our new can line. So what we were able to do is can more of it efficiently. Uh, and, and more cost effective by having our own line in house. Okay, so let's. So we've we've talked now uh, about the ones we've released. So now I'm curious. I've I've teased this a little bit, Danny. This is something that that you can't wait to share. So let's start with you. I want you to rank. I want you to rank your favorite in order. Po- uh, 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 Frosteds. I have these. I have these rankings dialed in okay so my first my favorite is cherry it's the most acidic one but it balanced the sweetness really well i also just really like cherries i also feel like cherry had a little bit of hop character that, that a little bit yeah hung around yeah i think it was just a bit less sweet which led let the hops come in a little bit more uh loved raspberry raspberry would be number two 
It's funny, I don't like pineapple, but I would still throw this pina colada in at third. Okay. Uh, and then I'd probably go mango and then grape and then blueberry. Blueberry okay. was just a tad bit too sweet for me. Okay. All are really good. Loved all six of them, but that's probably where I'd go. That's fine. I, I definitely respect your opinion. I'm glad you have it. It's, it's wrong. wrong. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad you have it. Uh, Luke, what about you? Rank, rank the six for me. Uh, I'd probably do pineapple, then Concord, raspberry, blueberry, mango, then cherry. Okay, I would go... Oh, cherry last? I did not like cherry. Man, I love I mean, cherry. I, I didn't. Not... I loved it. Just, just They're all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, Dude, we know you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you a... Are, are, just in general, are you a fan of cherries? Oh, I love cherries. Oh, oh okay. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. I bag like... Or I eat like a whole bag of cherries. Like I'm just sometimes. not... It's weird. I'm actually not really a fan of cherries. I never really eat them. I don't mm. really... Like, I'm not like the guy at holidays that's like, oh, cherry pie, right? Like, I'm just... Oh, like, dude, pie, pff, all day. <laughs> all day. Okay, the idea of you eating anything all day doesn't really surprise me. For what I'm <laughs> but uh, I would say the, the appropriate ranking system, the mm-hmm. accurate ranking system, <laughs> I would go pina colada one, uh, or Luke just called it pineapple. It's pina colada. Dude, you left out the coconut, and that was like... My bad. <laughs> I'd go pina colada one. Concord grape too. You know why? Because Concord grape to me tastes like big league chew, and I Ooh, I ate okay. the crap out of that as a kid, man. It was so nostalgic for me. Did okay. you uh, did you wrap a, a, a log of chew in there too? Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe once. No, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, would, I, <laughs> I would go mango three. Okay. Uh, cherry four. Blueberry five. Raspberry six. Okay. It's so funny when people call mango like the original. Like whenever we like, yes. whenever we post about like bringing frosted back, it's like oh, is original coming back? Like is there mango coming back? It's like ah. I guess it's technically the original. They're not wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. And I'm sure we'll bring it back at some point. But yeah. Well, it, it's in the plans to bring back. Yeah. Uh, hint, hint for those listening. Um, so let's. I didn't let's... know this. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. There's a good chance I'm wrong. Also. <laughs> Uh, let's so let's wrap up this uh, this podcast. Let's talk about what the vision or the future of this beer is. Um, so, Luke, I'd like for you to share, and then and then maybe from a from a marketing perspective, Danny, where do you see or what can you see this brand becoming? For sure. Um, well, I think uh, Pina Colada was kind of a big deal to me because it was a blend of two flavors versus just being one. And I, I would like to see more um, culinary side behind it. So not just doing a fruit, but going after and making a pie or like going for a strudel or something. Just how, you know, challenging Chase and I, how can we make that flavor possible with what ingredients that we can source? Um, and that's how I want to see this really evolve versus being kind of, singular and just being kind of one fruit which is there's nothing wrong with it's a great way to start but mm-hmm. i think as time goes on the more we brew it i would like to get more depth and complexity into it for sure from a marketing perspective i mean it's definitely one of our nerdier beers um it's something that uh people that trade beers or people that like to try a lot of different styles um will really lean into this style of beer um from like a photography standpoint it's definitely like some of the prettier beers we've ever had you know like even the grape versus like the like it looks kind of like like pina colada kind of looks like you betcha like a very like hazy yellow uh there may or may not be 
be another beautiful beer coming that's being released on Ooh, Friday. Teaser. I personally love this style. I know I talked about it on a previous podcast that uh, <laughs> the Frosted series is one of my favorites. And I always get asked, like, what do you think of this when they're brewing it? So I think it's just, it rounds out our brewery really well. I agree with that statement. I was going to lean into that a little bit. If For sure. Did, if you didn't say that, I was going to lean in that, that this showcases our, our, our brewery team. For sure. It showcases our production team where we can go from Zauber or Quacky or Voss uh, or Blanc or, you know, to You Betcha all the way to this. Right. right. And then, you know, our barrel aged stuff is coming soon, which rounds that piece of it out. Yeah, it's like a whole other... Totally. And I I think that this style of beer showcases... I've said this the first time we ever released Frosted. One of the things I said, which still holds true today, and I think it gets more prominent the more we do, is this is like the best part of, of having Luke and Chase, right? Is their minds work together so well, so perfectly right? Uh, that we can go from having our, our easy-drinking lagers to these, you, you use nerdy or geeky or whatever you want to yeah, say, yeah. right? Like the, the beers that appeal, you, you can't be everything to everyone, and we've talked about that a million times, but you can, you can sure try to make really good beers that appeal to people that maybe don't want Voss. For sure, and like people are going to come to Sonder and maybe not enjoy a beer. Like, that's going to happen. You can't please sure. everyone. But no one is going to come here and be like, yeah, I've never liked one of their IPAs. I've never liked one of their lagers. I've never right. liked one of their milkshake IPAs. I've never liked one of their stouts. Like, we're going to have a beer for everyone in every category is what it comes down to. And, like, you're going to be able to come here and enjoy any style of beer, and it's going to be high quality. So is it fair to say from a, a marketing branding perspective – that and, and and this I guess this is a question specifically to Danny, but Luke, I, I'd be curious to get your opinion as well. Do you feel like that for us, Frosted as a brand is a brand that can live on its own and can be a even though we change the the adjunct can be a a, a core beer that Sonder is known for? I think Frosted already is like a core beer. Like I, I hope that it's one of those things that just on an every two month basis we always have it. You know, and like once those that those two go through, we already have two ready to go. You know, so like you can come here, and whether you are a regular or whether you live in Kentucky and you only come up here once in a while, you know that you can come up here and get two frosteds, hopefully. You know, and that's and that's why Luke, correct me if I'm wrong. That's why we went we we doubled this batch, right? Because the last one, uh, cherry was gone, and I mean it was off tap in like three weeks. Yeah, it was really so quick. We it was went, so sad. I, I think we almost went like six or seven weeks without Frosted on tap, yeah. I, I believe. And that, I guess the hope is that we can dial this in and get to a point where, <laughs> where uh, Jeff Parker is uh, walking up. Welcome to the podcast, JP. Hey. Uh, JP's walking up and providing us with more goodies, uh, <laughs> which is good. Uh, we, were about to, we were about to wrap up the podcast, but I'd love to get your opinion. Um, Go ahead, throw oh, on some headphones there. What's up, bro? Happy to be here. Oh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, we'll wrap up with this. JP, Jeff Parker, my man, give us your hard and fast rankings of the six Frosteds. How do you rank them? 
Um, this is so, off the cuff, by the way. He didn't know this question was coming. Absolutely. Um, I think Concord Grape is my favorite one. That's, that's my second. So far. Yep. I think Raspberry is okay. my number two. Oh, just get the hell out. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'm not a big... All this labor for nothing. <laughs> <The> co- <laughs> Keep going. I was part of the labor. It's fine. I, I, pina, pina colada was... Uh, is then my next. No, he's just saying. Most likely. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> We'll ask when Luke leaves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's number four? Uh, number four, probably the mango. Yep. Mango cherry bloob. Okay. All right. Okay. Bloob. Bloob. Short for blueberry. Up. Short for blueberry. Absolutely. I saw, uh, Jen is working off in the corner of her computer. <laughs> and when I said bloob, I saw her look up like she thought for sure I said boob just now. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that's what she thought. Bloobs. <laughs> All right. Well, um, welcome to the podcast, JP. We are going to wrap it up here. Uh, Happy to be a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) We back. Uh, Thank you guys for continuing to listen. Um, Tell your friends. uh, If you haven't had a chance to check us out, uh, please do. Let us know. Uh, If you have um, any suggestions or anything you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast, Contact us at Sonder Brewing. I mm-hmm. believe that goes directly to you. It does go to me. So uh, he'll be able to, to to kind of share that with us. I have some cool ideas of some things. I would love to get the the fans engaged with an upcoming episode. I thought we, that, I thought about that a lot too. Or we could post something on social media. It's like ask the ask a question, and we just address these questions on a whole episode from the mailbag. For sure. <laughs> yeah, literally a mailbag. Yeah, it'd be. I think that'd be super dope. A lot of fun. Um, but thank you for listening. Please rate and review the podcast uh, wherever you listen. And nuts.com. This episode was sponsored by you. So, so thanks for that partnership. But, cheers, but, y'all. But seriously, it could have been sponsored by you. Just let us know. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, cheers, guys. Cheers.